0: Welcome to the Black Agenda Podcast. I'm your co-host, Devin Dito, along with my co-host, Adrian Guest, and we're back again for another edition of our weekly roundup series. This is weekly roundup number three. Today is July 9th, 2022, and not only do we have a jam-packed show for you, but we actually have a special guest who's going to join us on the show to discuss all of the news that we have. So uh, it is my pleasure to welcome it onto the show Caleb DeLeon, Uh, He is one of our interns here at the Black Agenda Podcast. And Caleb, thank you for joining us today.
1: My pleasure. My pleasure.
0: So we have, like I said, we have a lot of news to get to, listeners. So let's go ahead and jump right into our first segment, which is our discussion segment. So our first story here, we're going to go up to Pennsylvania, where uh, the former disgraced Cleveland cop who shot and killed 12-year-old Tamir Rice as he played at a park in 2014 has a new gig in law enforcement. Uh, so Timothy Lehman, who was uh, sworn in as the lone police officer in Tioga, Pennsylvania on Tuesday, July 5th. And this is according to WETM. And so census records from 2020 actually reported this, that the borough has a population of 720 people with a 95 percent white population. So I guess he's in the optimal conditions where you won't have to kill anybody. But the local news outlet revealed that the now 34 year old man was given the job during the borough meeting. I know that was terrible to say, but. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't have laughed, but. I guess, whatever, you know, yeah. it, it, it's not funny, but I mean, hey, 95% white, only 720 people. What are the chances, you know, that you're going to kill somebody while on duty? But nevertheless, uh, Adrian, I think there was. A state, maybe last year or the year before, someone was fighting to make sure that we could keep track of cops like this uh, who commit, you know, on the job murders, essentially, and get to go on to different jurisdictions and different boroughs and get hired uh, with no problem. Um, I think this is part of the problem, not saying that. I mean, he he shouldn't be allowed to be a police officer, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, And so this is an issue across the country.
2: I agree. I think what you're referring to as far as a legislative piece or policy is the uh, national registry where we were trying to actually have, you know, a national registry that follows everybody. So that way, if a cop gets fired because of something, you know, in one state and goes to another state, that national registry would have everything in there about them. Um, So I think it is interesting that the that this cop has a job in law enforcement, I think it's one of those things to wear because you know even if he was free and cleared and he didn't do any time for killing uh, Tamar Rice and all that kind of stuff, st- still because of the the public you know uh, perception around it, he shouldn't be able to pract- you know be in law enforcement anymore. That's just my take on it, Caleb. You may have something different. I don't know, but I think you know Devin is right to say that. You know, since the town is ninety-five percent white, uh, probably is not going to be a lot of shootings because uh, cops don't seem to kill a lot of white people these days. Well, and actually, I take that back. They do kill a lot of I white people. I have to proportions.
1: Yeah, at a lower rate. <laughs> um, yeah, I think this police officer should be no longer a police officer. Instead of like committing. doing more work they should be looking back at his previous work and making sure that it's not also along the same lines as the killing of tamir rice because although he's in this population where like less of these killings can take place he's still already done it by large so it's more so investigating his past instead of allowing him to have a future in law enforcement and making sure that his past as a law enforcement is respectable instead of destructive
2: Absolutely. I mean, if you, I think more than anything, just the whole perception of it. I, I, again, I think because the city is, you know, 720 people, most of them white, it's probably not going to have a lot of issues going on. Not to say, like, not, and listeners, we're not saying like white people don't commit crime or anything. We're just talking about. You know, you know, white, you know, cops killing white people, that kind of thing, or whatever. So, we'll, we'll, and anyway, we'll move on from there I don't know. We'll see how. It, actually, probably won't yeah. see how it goes because this is a very rural town. So it's the last time you'll probably hear about them on the black agenda, unless he shoots somebody. Maybe then we'll we'll go back to him. But let's go to Arizona. I was I actually mean, the only cop in the city. <laughs> and that's right. He is the only cop in the city. So I mean, he's got a he's got a tough gig. He's like Rango from from the movie Rango. Uh, you
1: know <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's like the there's only room for uh two of us in these parts
2: that's i mean <laughs> that's that's right i mean i wonder <laughs> which we're not in quick hits but we got a little extra time he probably is like a, a cop that's got like a, a horse in a buggy kind of town i feel like with 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 this with this few people no, it's <laughs> Yeah, like, I, I'm just joking. I'm just my. I'm from Eupora eupora has got only three thousand population, so it, I mean it's a little bit bigger, but not much to brag. Hey. Um, but let's go to Arizona. I was I was in Phoenix uh, the other day, um, and just just to make a quick stop there on my way to uh, Cali. And uh, I don't know much about um, Arizona. If I knew this was going on, maybe I would. I should have protested, but. Uh, Republican Governor Doug Ducey on Thursday signed a massive expansion of the state's private school voucher system. The expansion that Governor Ducey signed will let every parent in Arizona take public money, now sent to K-12 public school systems and use it to pay for their children's private school tuition or other education costs. An estimated 60,000 private students and about 38,000 being Homeschool will immediately be eligible to take up to seven thousand per year. Governor Ducey, in a statement, called the signing a monumental monumental moment for all of Arizona's students. Our kids will no longer be locked in unperform, un, underperforming schools. Many of those underperforming schools, however, are in low-income areas with low access to private schools and whose parents rely on the local public schools, which have been underfunded for years. Man, this is a story that's near and dear to my heart. <laughs> it's, I, uh, education <laughs> listeners, y'all know we talk about it so much. Uh, it's going to be the cornerstone of my uh, presidential administration because it's so important. And we've talked so much about how uh, our systems of education are broken. I mean, I know this, especially from being in Mississippi. And, and this last part about, the fact that there's not a lot of private schools in low-income areas. I mean, when, whenever people talk about school choice, school choice, that's great and all, but these private schools, these charter schools, they're not in your Webster County and Eupora. They're not in your uh, cities where there's 720 people. So you need to fix the public schools. Having more, having money being taken out of the public schools and funneling it into other systems is just it's just bad I mean it's just not good policy the policy should be no matter what zip code you live in um, you have a great system of education uh, Caleb I, I don't know how much you've you know done you know research about you know education and stuff like that Dev and I we've talked extensively on it but you know, this is an issue that um, I feel that is, is is really important. And even President Biden, I mean, his administration isn't really doing anything to tackle education. And this is sad to see that uh, a state is going to be pulling money from K through twelve schools.
1: I think that strengthening the way they allocate the money to K through twelve schools is a little more important than taking money from them because. They're already suffering as it is, and then taking money from the, the school to give it to an already established school that's already well off would just benefit that school instead of the area. So I think a good way for them to start tackling this would be instead of funneling money out of the public schools, instead they should funnel it into the public schools to help them build, build up the parts that they're lacking in so that they don't have to... Have such poor statistics like this, right? I think it, it all comes
0: down to money and how it's allocated. But it, it's funny to me hearing people like the governor Ducey and those others who are you know very pro you know school choice and everything is that they always look at the public schools and they say well they're underperforming they're underperforming and. Nobody wants to look at the same people who are pro-choice who, who are pro-school choice making these decisions is like you guys created this problem. Like
1: mm-hmm. you
0: chronically underfunded public schools on purpose to ensure they couldn't keep the best teachers. And so therefore they had to get new teachers every year, which means the students are not going to get the the education that they could get if you would properly pay the teachers who are the best ones in the school. And you could you know, retain them. This problem was created decades ago, but now that the problem is here, they want to point to the public schools and say, "Oh, you guys just don't know what you're doing," and now we're just going to take money from you and give it to people as a voucher, so they can take it and go pay for private school. Like you sort of, they sort of created their own destiny by chronically underfunding the public schools to ensure they got to this moment where they could say, "Oh, now this is the reason they're under. They're, you know, now the public schools are underperforming." you don't deserve this money. And so we're just going to let the parents take it and do whatever with it. I think it's just a totally wrong way of doing it. And understand for the people who are in those low income areas, this policy is not for you. This is not, this is not for you. This is for people to go to private school. This is not going to benefit you in any real way because you're not going to be able to afford these things. (laughs) Even with the $7,000 per year, private school tuition is still ridiculous.
2: And not to, yeah. not to mention... It seems like
1: they're just taking the resource...
2: No, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Caleb.
1: Oh, I was going to say, does it doesn't... It seems... Oh, dang, I started to stutter. I'm sorry. No,
2: mm-hmm. no,
1: go ahead. You keep going. Um, they're They're taking the resources from the school and expecting them to have a better outcome or perform better with less resources, which seems unfair exactly. and then they're giving these resources <laughs> that they're taking from the pro- the public school and giving them to the public school people and telling them to take care of it themselves instead of fixing what they started in the first place
2: right and that, that's and that was that was the point that I was going to say is just that if you take money from it's just like what standardized testing whenever schools fail you know or have lower you know test scores they take money from the schools. Um, and and it's like, what do you expect the school is going to do with, with less funding? You you think they're going to be able to do more with less? I mean, they're they're already struggle, uh, and you're taking away from them. So how are they going to be able to operate? So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a conundrum that we're putting our schools in. Uh, I'm very thankful that, you know, I'm not a Arizona parent right now because I'd be very pissed off and I'd be protesting. Uh, And I hope, you know, if you're listening and you are in Arizona, I hope you start protesting. If you are a person who endorses school choice, you're right to have your opinion. But I will say that your opinion uh, is is a little flawed uh, and and it's okay if you don't (laughs) agree with that. Um, And I will someone will come back to this whenever I get ready to run. And they'll be like, well, you said that this and I will say I still believe that. Because at the end of the day, I don't care what zip code a kid is in. They should have the same opportunities as the other kid in another zip code. That's what it's about. It's not about school choice; it's about equal opportunity, which is what everyone's talking about. So it doesn't make sense that I can live in California or New York or Texas and have way better school programs than Mississippi, Alabama or whatever. And don't just tell me it's about the teachers or something like that. It's a lot about the funding that goes into it. Because a lot of states, like we saw in Washington, put like what was it, like twelve or thirteen thousand towards their students or something like that, so uh, per student. So, mm-hmm. all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, like I said, this education is near and dear to me. So, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get off my high horse and let Caleb, you know, introduce the next story. So, <laughs> go, go ahead, Caleb. My bad. It's, I, I like education.
1: I I love education here. I'm going to be taking us up to my hometown of Boston where a violent white supremacist group marched through and attacked black activists Uh, over the weekend of the 4th of July in Boston, dozens of white supremacists marched through the city and the Boston mayor, Michelle Wu called the supremacists hate, hateful and cowardly and disgusting. And it goes against all of what Boston stands for. And as they marched through the downtown area in Boston, many of them had American flags, police shields, and some of them wore shirts that said, Reclaim America. The police took a report from a Black activist and artist, Charles Morell, who reported that he had been assaulted during the march. Um, Morell said he was trying to record the group on his cell phone, but the Patriot members with shields began to surround him and shove him. The police report explained that Morell was knocked to the ground and had been kicked, beaten but no arrests had been made. Yeah, I mean,
0: this is something I think we're going to see a lot more of, particularly, I really feel like that the the nexus of all of these groups sort of coming out in the open, like we didn't used to have this before President Obama. I know these, these groups existed, obviously, people who felt as though they were losing the country and needed to reclaim it, they were always out there, but we sort of, when... President Obama got into office and particularly after 2016, these groups felt as though that they now had, it was okay for them to come out in public and say these things. When in the past you couldn't do this and get away with this and be allowed to march through saying that you are trying to reclaim America. And this, you know, this is a predominantly white, you know, white only country that you own essentially. Um, These groups we cannot just stand by and just act as though, oh well, these people are always going to be around. We have to call it out, and and say that they are just an example of an attitude that is not productive in a democracy. It's just not going to work. Uh, we have to. We can't just allow them to come out and think that they have a platform to come and spew this nonsense.
2: But yeah, that's the the issue with the democracy. It's it's like you know, and, and I'm not saying listeners that you know we need to outlaw freedom of speech or something like that. But it it definitely needs to be a clearer divide between what you will allow in in freedom of speech and what you won't allow when it comes to hate speech. And I know that can be like a slippery slope to what you say is hate speech and things like that, but. It, it, I guess you could go as far as to say is even if it's something like a Black Lives Matter where you start censoring them, or if they get to where it's too, like a Black Panther kind of vibe or whatever. It kind of goes both ways, but we do have to start censoring ourselves um, because you can't have groups like this who can just have a, a march. You know, I get how you know the NAACP can have a march, but we don't need you know white supremacist group you know having a campaign rally that just doesn't seem very productive in 2022 i I don't know but uh listeners leave your comments give us a shout uh we're going to give you your first break we'll be right back
0: would you like to contribute to our scholarship fund would you like to help us partner with other organizations
2: maybe you'd like to advertise or even appear on our show if so go to our website blackagendapod.com or while you're listening, click the donate link in the timestamps. Thank you for your support and your belief in our mission.
0: Let's get back to the show. All right, welcome back listeners. So let's get into our second segment here, which is all quick updates. It's going to kind of move quickly. So make sure you're paying attention. Um, So our first quick update is going to come from Russia where Uh, Brittany Griner, who is a two-time U.S. Olympic basketball gold medalist, she has now pled guilty to drug charges in a Russian court, Um, and her lawyers confirmed this to CNN on Thursday. And so Griner has done all sorts of tests, and she's been clean. She's been tested multiple times. All of her samples were clear, but she still did decide to go ahead and plead plead guilty. This was her decision. And so her, her Russian legal team said in a statement, that she has uh, set in an example of being brave. And being brave uh, means possibly facing up to 10 years um, in Russian jail. So hopefully she never has to serve that time, but uh, we'll see. Uh, Our second quick update, we're going to come back stateside. It's going to come from Disneyland, where if you're on their social media team, I'm sure you were probably panicking uh, Thursday when it looked like their social media accounts for Disneyland resorts had actually been hacked early on Thursday there were a series of posts that included foul language and racist slurs that were posted. Um, A spokesperson confirmed that the accounts were compromised early this morning, but these racist posts have been removed, Um, and they say the post actually used racist and homophobic slurs, and one even referred to the release of another strain of COVID-19. So I don't know. (laughs) You know, Adrian and Caleb, I I really feel for for Brittany Griner. I know she just wrote a letter to the president asking for more help to get her out of Russia. But again, you know, we're at wartime. Russia is at war with Ukraine and they know they have a big chess piece, which is her. And so they're going to look to get something back, whether that sanctions removed. I don't know. I'm not saying she's never going to get out, but she could be there for a while. I mean,
1: I guess I feel really bad mainly because it was only an accident. It's not like she was like, I mean maybe she was trying to sneak it over to Russia, but she's an Olympic medalist. Like there's no way she wasn't like to a certain extent a little bit cautious of this. Mm-hmm. But she is definitely being brave and setting an example by like by not shying away from the responsibility of what she did. Though ten years seems like a lengthy charge and I would be yes. I'd be begging Joey B for a little part in myself too if I could. <laughs>
2: He got that right. I mean, um I like that uh Jodie um that's cool. Uh I would say cuz I was listening to some commentator and they were talking about the fact that, you know, even people in Russia uh only get like a slap on the wrist and maybe a fine, you know, for for this sort of thing. Uh and she was I mean, she's almost like a Russian celebrity because she's been playing basketball there for I think they said almost 10 years or so. I mean, she's been Mm -hmm. playing there for a while. Uh, So, I mean, she's a a name over there. Uh, But, you know, we're going to take you to some other updates. Uh, This is a little little economic update for you. And and me being the economics major on the team, I guess it's fitting that I talk about this kind of stuff. Uh, After going on a frenzied uh, hiring spree for a year and a half, to meet surge shopper demands america's retailers are starting to temper their recruiting the changing mindset comes as companies confront a pullback in consumer spending the prospect of an economic downturn and struggling labor costs. Some analysts suggest that merchants have also learned to do more with fewer workers. Companies like Walmart and Amazon are rolling back employees due to overhiring. Definitely true. Because I think we learned a little bit. The pandemic. You can do less with uh, with you know fewer. Uh, this is also another little update here. Uh, we got gas prices a dollar and ninety nine cent for a day. Only a day in Georgia. Uh, I, I know I was which I don't drive, but I was like, man, I wish uh, gas station in <laughs> Hinesville, Georgia did a 4th of July promotion and they gave away gas. They cut it down. I think their gas was normally three ninety nine, but they cut it down to one ninety nine. Owner Robbie Patel said, quote, we want to give back to the community. Community makes us who we are as a family. We all came from India to make a better life for ourselves. This is what we need to do to give back to the community. Sweet story, Mr. Patel. Um, it sounds so stereotypical, you know, that he's a Patel from India. It's a lot of Patels from India that have gas stations. Um, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> You're not wrong. You're <laughs> not at all. Wrong. Uh, <laughs> if
0: only we could get that what? everywhere <laughs> maybe we should have a nationwide <laughs> gas holiday or something where it's ninety that that'll never happen but
2: no not at all
0: man I don't know about you Caleb do you have a car how much is
1: it costing to fill up I mean I remember back when COVID started and there was that time where gas was really really cheap and you could get it for I think $20 to fill up my entire car and uh, now I'm spending three times that amount, so <laughs> it's it's definitely a big toll, especially when you drive to and from class and like place to place. But it definitely makes me want to like skateboard or like take the bus more and like explore different ways of traveling. So it's it's good in its own way. But I'll take us over to the next news, which, on the brighter note, is some good news. Starting up, we have the festival which is aiming to create afro-latino culture and fight erasure so puerto ricans have a history of being tied to indigenous taino and african groups and also of course spain groups um and in minneapolis they're trying to do a ladona Cervecia, which is a holiday celebration day which will take place on july 8th um the Pew report that was done said that the life experiences of Afro-Latinos are shaped by race, skin tone, and other factors, although their experiences also differ from other Latinos. The report also found that although most Afro-Latinos identify Hispanic or Latino, not all do. This is good because the idea behind the event, the afro Latinidad Dad, Virus de la Despora, is to not only celebrate but embrace the afro Latinidad Dad um, and to help educate the community um also we have biden who is coming up again in the podcast he's uh, awarding multiple people the medal of freedom uh including people such as denzel washington and simone biles um he presented the medal of freedom which is the nation's highest civilian honor in a in a ceremony that provided a feel-good moment for the white house grappling with polls indicating an overwhelming majority of americans I think the country is on the wrong track and low approval ratings for Biden. The recipient of the Medal of Freedom often reflects the sitting president. There were 17 honorees ranging from people like Denzel Washington, Simone Biles, John Cain, and all the way up to Steve Jobs. So what do you guys think about that? Well, I mean... (laughs)
0: I know you didn't write the story, but way to throw cold water on that by putting that little line in there about the White House grappling with polls, <laughs> indicating people think the country's going in the wrong direction, and his low approval ratings. Like, damn. Like, he's just trying to do good by giving out some medals. And they're like, nah, buddy. Your approval ratings are in the tank, and you're going to lose the majority. Like, don't forget. Yeah. <laughs> like, Jesus. I mean, he fell off the bike,
1: too, and everything. He's just... It's been and I, Not doing that and I
2: think it's one of those things that it's this this move giving you know medals of freedom is just a is a is a political move. It's a stunt, yeah. I, you know, because you just give them to people to try to you know get people to be you know more energetic about your administration because you're <laughs> honoring people like Denzel Washington or Simone Biles or Steve yeah. Jobs or whatever. Um, and I think that that's why everyone's deflecting to the fact that. You can do what you want, you know. You can. You're almost like Trump at this point. <laughs> you're just deflecting from the fact that you hadn't delivered on voting. You hadn't delivered on policing. You haven't delivered on. Uh, student loans, you haven't delivered on uh, housing. Yeah, I mean, I, I would go on and on and on, but we would, you know, and technically I could because we got some, you know, a couple extra minutes in here. But <laughs> that's the thing. We, he, uh, oh my gosh, it, it makes me scared about 2022 uh, November, rather uh, this year, and it makes me frightened about 2024 when he's going to run for election. Uh, I mean, he's uh, he's got two more years to get something done, but I believe because of the two years he's had it's going to make his next two years more difficult because the Democrats, I feel, are going to lose some seats uh, because he there's too many incompletes with the Biden administration.
0: Incomplete will be the legacy of Joe <laughs> Biden, but I think we're judging him by the wrong, we're using the wrong measurement for Joe Biden. We've had this discussion of like when he ran, he did not run as a changer. He was not coming to revolutionize anything. He was standard quo, familiar, saying he was a bunch of things that donald trump wasn't but a changer and revolutionary was not joe biden in any form or fashion so it's kind of like you kind of, we we kind of got what we wanted but i do think um they've brought some of this on themselves and one thing that irks me too and we can after this we can go but i just whoever came up with the phrase the putin price hike needs to be fired like immediately that is like it just encompasses the Biden administration of like who, who do you really think is falling for the fact that, you know, uh, Vladimir Putin is the reason gas prices are what they are? Like, stop it! Like this is just—it's it's ridiculous. And it's just, from the Democrats, more of it—that's yeah. what kills me. Like you guys are going to get slaughtered in it's November, go. and you're
2: talking about the Putin price hike. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, Putin doesn't control uh, the American economy. I mean, I get that gas prices is a global, th- you know, industry or whatever. But by and large, we do have reserves here. I know it takes time to tap into those, but I'm like, if, if you really want to win reelection, you'll figure out a way to tap into those <laughs> reserves a little bit quicker <laughs> and, and get our gas prices down lower because at the end of the day, you're the president. And just like Donald Trump, how he took credit for many things because he was the presiding president. Mm-hmm. That's the same thing with Joe Biden. You got, you're gonna take the slack. You're gonna take the heat because you're the president, and that's what you wanted. You ran, you know, three, four times for the yeah. job. You finally got it. Is what you want. Probably should have got it in your <laughs> 40s and 50s instead of your 80s, but you got it. So, <laughs> listeners, I'm just getting you warmed up because you know what's next is, you know, the quick hit section. So uh, we're gonna give you uh, another break. We're gonna, you know, come back ready to make you laugh some more. So stick with us. We'll be right back. You've been listening to the Black Agenda podcast. If you're
0: enjoying the show, let us know. Before you go, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Give a few dollars while you're at it. After all, the Black Agenda podcast is supported by listeners like you. So sit back and listen well as we get back into this show. Right, welcome back, listeners. So let's get into our favorite segment and probably yours as well, and that is our quick hits. This is where we turn into uh, 10-minute comedians. So we'll see how good we can do today. Uh, but our first quick hit here, we're going to go to Fort Worth, Texas, which is not too far from where I'm located here in Dallas, and their 4th of July fireworks show. I had to talk about it because I was there in this fiasco of a show. But um, downtown Fort Worth uh, had to cancel their fireworks show on Monday night after grass fires broke out, probably 10 minutes after the show started. Um, the show was at the Panther Island Pavilion, and it was billed as the biggest fireworks show in Dallas-Fort Worth. And it also started, I guess, maybe the biggest fire <laughs> in Dallas-Fort Worth. But as of 10.30 p.m., uh, the Fort Worth Fire Department had responded to a hundred, 145 calls for grass and brush fires And 77 of them came between 9.30 and 10.30, which is the show started at 9.30. So most of those calls were about that. Um, The representative from the fire department said the officials had been preparing for the possibility of a grass fire. He said that they had been mowing the grass. They watered it down, making sure that the area was maintained. But when you're in a severe or extreme drought, which is what Fort Worth and Tarrant County are in, Um, You can do all the mowing of grass and watering down that you want to. It's probably not going to work. It was over 100 degrees, I'm pretty sure, on July 4th when they decided to host this fireworks show. And needless to say, Adrian uh, and Caleb, I was there. And I mean, from the moment the first firework went off, we saw flames like the grass is on (laughs) fire and it just got bigger and bigger from there. And I was it's crazy because I was watching the fireworks and I'm looking down like, oh, those are flames. Like, these are real flames. Like, <laughs> this is not going away, flames. And so they eventually did stop it. But it just turned into, uh, like I say, it was a fiasco because they were saying upwards of 75,000 people came out for this. <laughs> and they were packed in downtown. And we're all ready. Man. We had our seats. Ten minutes in, they stopped the whole thing. Fire department's going over putting it out. It was just...
2: A that, disaster. <laughs> that sounds like a nightmare uh, for for the fire department. And and yes. and, 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 and listeners, <laughs> I I did my first summer in Dallas. You know this. You know this. You know this past this month, or I guess you could say, it's hot. Uh, it's, it, it, I mean, it's 102 degrees. I, I've never felt like I was getting sunburned in my life until I was in <laughs> Dallas the summer. Like, I, I, I almost went and got sunscreen. It was so hot. I mean, so I, and I saw somebody watering their grass. Like every day she watered her grass every day and it was still dead. Yeah, it, was it, still dead. Still, it was dry and dead. So, I mean, Caleb, that <laughs> I I, I don't know if you've ever been to Dallas, Caleb, uh, but it's hot over there. I can see why this happened. Uh, I I wanted to go to a fireworks show. I guess I should have went to this one. You
1: missed out. (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad I didn't go to that one. That would have been a mistake.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it only would have been a mistake if you were if you got set on fire. Otherwise, you're okay. You know, that's otherwise you just have to just watch and you know stop, drop, and roll maybe. Uh, but let's go, let's go up to Rhode Island here. Probably not as hot up there. Uh, this is about State Senator uh, Tierra Mock or I think yeah, Tierra Mack, who's twenty eight, uh, Mac, who's twenty eight. Um, she did a really, really cool uh, TikTok video. Well, I guess cool is probably not the best way to... I mean, I guess depending on who you are, Devin's shaking his head, so he, he <laughs> may think it's cool. She did a July 4th video that probably made some 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 hearts aflame, just like uh, those... Fi- <laughs> just like those fireworks. <laughs> 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 but uh, Miss uh, Max, she's an openly gay, democratic, black politician... Uh whoever wrote the article I'm going to say what the person says this isn't my words listeners just to let you know but the you know Miss Max she served ass and a lot of it as she enjoyed a day of leisure at Block Island on Monday she did a 8 second clip on TikTok that featured the bronze dip <laughs> the, bron- <laughs> the bronze that sounds almost like a racial slur or something uh, the bronze <laughs> dip senator hitting a handstand while serving a righteous twerk as someone filmed her. Uh, Mac ended the short vid with a bright, coy smile saying, Vote Senator Mack. Distractors of the clip whined about District 6 rep making black women look bad, and her antics were the reason that she was not a serious politician. First off, I'm so tired of everybody... You know, every time somebody black does something, it's always got to reflect in towards like the whole population of black oh, men or black women. It, <laughs> it, it's just the one person who decided to twerk doesn't mean that everybody likes twerking and everybody twerks. And I mean, hey, I I, lo- I didn't watch the video, but I, I watched like I saw like her body. She's got a great body. So, I mean, she's right to show it off. I mean, even though she's a state senator. I mean, you can twerk if even though you're a politician. I mean, I feel like even if Kamala Harris wanted to twerk, I mean can nobody stop her.
1: I mean, I hope they <laughs> would though. Fortunately.
2: <laughs>
0: Please. Oh God. The only the only thing I'll say is that attention yeah. is one hell of a drug. And that's I'll leave oh, it yeah. there. Miss Mack... She put the video up. I watched it. I I'm, I'm, I wish I had my A seconds back. Um, leave that to the young kids. That's their thing. You don't have to resort to these kind of...
2: So, so y'all telling me y'all happen? don't want to see Nancy Pelosi or Maxine Waters twerking?
0: I've, <laughs> I mean... I have never... I've never wondered what <laughs> Nancy Pelosi looks like outside of a pantsuit. Like... I don't want to
1: know. I'm sorry. I'm waiting oh, on nice. Elizabeth Warren. Hey.
2: Oh. I, people would probably like, I mean, she would have probably actually, you know, been a a, a more top contender had she started twerking. And if she and maybe uh, Kristen Gillibrand, what was her name? Yeah, uh, is Kristen Gillibrand. Yeah, there we go. I, I'm, I'm sorry, we're, we're getting we're getting distracted okay. talking about twerking. I don't even like torque. I mean, I guess it's okay in some regard, I suppose. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess
0: I, I guess it worked. I mean, we're talking about it, right? I'm sure this is what happened. The road, I, I, somebody's yeah.
2: going to vote for. Yeah. I mean, somebody got a bunch more votes. Probably, I mean, somebody's <laughs> going to vote. Want, for, we for, want to you know, see more of that. her. That's right.
0: <laughs> well, I mean. Going from one candidate to another candidate on the other side of the fence, we're going to go from a Democrat candidate who's twerking to a GOP House candidate who is vowing that he's going to fight Democrats and Klan hoods with AR-15s. And he put this out in a new ad. So GOP congressman, uh, this is a congressional candidate from Arizona, released a campaign ad saying that he supports the Second Amendment in order to, quote, defend to defend against Democrats and Klan hoods. And so his name is Jerome Davison. He's a former NFL running back and he's trying to represent Arizona's fourth congressional district. And he tweeted out an ad that said, make rifles great again on Wednesday. Now keep in mind, we just had a shooting oh, over no. weekend in Highland uh, in, in Illinois. And so in the ad, he actually says, quote, Democrats like to say that no one needs an AR 15 for self-defense that no one could possibly need all 30 rounds. And then the ad frequently cuts to several people dressed in white hoods and white robes with a donkey printed on the front. And at one point, the large group is seen charging towards a residential home with rakes, hammers, axes, and bats, while he, the candidate, Davison, waits out a window wearing sunglasses and holding a semi-automatic weapon. Jeez. Now, I understand all of this is happening with the backdrop of just two days before a 22-year-old killed seven people and ended dozens more people with, you guessed it, an AR-15 at a July 4th parade. So these sort of antics, Adrian and Caleb, again, it's not what the Democratic candidate did by twerking, but it's just the, the level of, as we always say, rhetoric is different now when you can just go out there and, and imply that you would kill Democrats with an AR-15 or that's why you need to support the Second Amendment. I think, again, attention is one hell of a drug. And I guarantee you there's somebody yeah. out there who's going to vote for this man because they think he's going to be the protector of the Second Amendment and, and in some strange, weird way will kill Democrats if needed. Uh, we are long past the days of people coming out in clan hoods and And charging your we're past those days those people still exist but it's just i just say they're the ones with the
1: ar-15s
0: yes like come on like they switched part like we know that they switched parties these things it's it's wrong historically and i just it's just sort of gimmicky and i hope he doesn't win (laughs) even though he's black
2: absolutely and and we've we've seen this from the GOP before. Uh, I think where they <clears throat> were gunned down in the, the the squad or whatever. I think mm-hmm. they, they, they somebody had to be censored because of some um, some campaigning or some advertising around that. So uh, this isn't a new tactic from the Democrats. It's very tacky, just like lying about having cancer. That's very tacky as well, and that's what I'm <laughs> going to talk to you about next. It's about a 38 year old California woman who is being sentenced for embezzlement claims. Uh, she had a, bito- a biopsy that revealed cancerous cells, you know, that so, you know, uh, you know, she had one. She didn't really have one, you know. But uh, another indicated that she was undergoing a surgical procedure and had cancer and then spread to her cervix. Yet another letter warned she cannot be exposed to COVID-19 because of her fragile state. These were fake claims, of course, uh, about this lady having cancer, uh, and this was because she was, in be- she was being uh, pled guilty for embezzlement from 2019, where she had embezzled more than $160,000 from her former employer through her sentencing. The notes then brought her an additional three months of freedom by the judge because they thought that she was undergoing all this medical treatment, according to U.S. Attorney's Office. But federal officials said that the notes and the cancer were all fake. And now Ms. Ashley is headed to prison for three times as long as she had originally gotten. The court this week added an additional two years to her uh, initial sentence of one year. Uh, so, you know, it's crazy that, you know, if she would have just been honest, she would just got her one year in prison. But now because she lied about cancer, lied about having, you know, medical procedures and lying about, you know, couldn't be exposed to COVID, now you got three years of prison just because you lie. Like, that's what you got to tell people. Like, why are you here? It's like, I lied. And (laughs) I'm just like, what?
1: (laughs) I lied. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You
0: You can't even argue that in front of the judge. It's like, we can test you. Like, we can tell if you have cancer or not. It's like, good Lord.
1: Uh, she's going to be I, in the jail So, like what are you in here for lying
0: when it, <laughs> like, wouldn't it be tragic if she did have cancer later on i mean it's just like oh this just. i know oh, I, right.
2: I just wonder what her initial i don't I didn't read the article but i just wonder what her initial prison sentence was for it's like what did she do to get the one year that, that she was like well let me just figure out how to get out of this and like who who what why did her like like, why did her lawyer not, like, stop her? Like, surely she had a lawyer that, like, that, I mean, I don't know. Maybe she had some really good uh, expert doctors who, like, lied for her. I just don't understand how this, like, like, her lawyer is a terrible lawyer. Like, how did you let your client do this?
0: <laughs> maybe the lawyer bought it,
2: too. <laughs> That's, it. That's right.
1: So we're going to bring this from California all the way to the home of Potatoes, Idaho, where a zoo is celebrating a 60-year-old spider monkey's birthday. A birthday party was thrown for a black-handed spider monkey who officials say might be the world's oldest member of his species at just 60 years old. The zoo said that Elvis is estimated to be about 60 years old, which could make him the oldest spider monkey in the world. Being at that, spider monkeys in captivity live mm-hmm. right around to twenty to forty years. The zoo staff are unsure if Elvis. If hmm. The zoo staff are unsure Elvis's exact birthday, but celebrated each year on July second, making Elvis one of the oldest monkeys. But relatable to Betty White, one <laughs> of the oldest actors.
0: I love the name Elvis.
1: <laughs> yeah, reminds me of that movie they did the the Elvis movie remake.
0: They they did. I mean, the Betty White of monkeys. That's that's a high, uh, that's high, high, high honor for a monkey.
2: I like, yeah. I like yeah. Betty White. Um, <laughs> he may she's... not
0: understand that honor, but we do. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's right. That's right. Uh, you know, I don't I don't know much about spider monkeys, but the only thing it reminds me of is uh, Ricky Bobby's kids. Uh, <laughs> I I know Devin knows what I'm talking about. Uh, Caleb, did, did you ever see the was it Talladega Nights the yes. baller Ricky Bobby?
1: Oh yeah 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 yeah
2: yeah and uh, <laughs> was it was it what was the kid's name Chip and ah. Chip and Dale? Yeah, Chip and Dale wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, Chip and Dale, yeah. that's Chip right. And Dale. It's <laughs> It's <laughs> so stupid. Uh, that the, I mean, I, that was the only Will Ferrell movie that I actually liked. Uh, most of his other <laughs> movies, I didn't really like. Like people love Step Brothers. I'm.
1: It's I like Elf. Elf. Well,
2: Elf. Oh, forget, yeah. Elf, Elf is, is, is like Elf is in a different category of Will Ferrell movies. Like that. That yeah. was actually a real movie. Most of his other movies are just like cheesy, terrible. Um, the other guys. That was another movie that my friends were talking about. That was super funny. And like after he told me like three or like three or four funny scenes to get me enticed, those were the only f- funny scenes of the whole yeah. I movie. Mean, <laughs> I'm sorry, this isn't about Will Ferrell. This is about the Spider Monkey. No, it's okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but we'll move from the there. to, to wrap up Spider our, Monkey. there you go (laughs) Uh, but to wrap up our quick hit segment we're going to go to Florida so Florida man is back on the show Um, and so this Florida man pulled no punches in a brutal obituary that he wrote for his father Uh, so typically as we all know you usually say good things about people once they pass away but in the case of Lawrence Faff Sr. the tone of his obituary seems to be Good thing he's dead. And so the obituary was published in the Florida Times Union over the holiday weekend, and it describes the late Faf, who died at 81, as, quote, narcissistic and an abusive alcoholic whose death proves that, quote, evil eventually dies. And so I'll actually read the obituary just in case you're wondering what his son had to say about him. Um, So he said that, quote, uh, Faf is survived by his three children, comma, no, four. Oops, five children.
1: <laughs> um, well, as of
0: 2022, we believe there is one more that we know about, but there could be more. His, loves, his love was abundant when it came to himself, but for his children, it was limited. From a young age, he was a ladies' man and an abusive alcoholic, solidifying his commitment to both with the path of destruction he left behind damaging his adult children and leaving them broken. So um, not, you know, if you plan on oh. having children.
2: <laughs> the <man>. honesty. <laughs> I mean, Publish that. Like, I told the world. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> I wonder what <laughs> and his and tombstone get, will say. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: it's man. probably going to
2: say abusive alcoholic." <laughs> Narcissist. man and abusive, right? narcissistic lady man abusive alcoholic you know it's just like i i mean i i get like how you want to tell the truth but you know this is like the the the, the home going. You know, yeah that's what you know us, yeah. you know black folks call it. i don't know what everybody calls it, but we say it's the home going you know celebration or whatever uh you don't want to air all the dirty laundry at the home going. you want everybody to <laughs> Feel good about him, you know. Yeah, yeah <laughs> just like last yeah. time you, you think got nothing
0: nice Mr. to uh, say. Uh, so Flat, uh yeah, like if you don't have anything nice yeah, to say, just he's, he's got kids. He had to get it off his chest. I mean, and I the just the say thing Mr. That got Flat me was, the... was a
2: rolling stone and he provided for his family.
0: There you go. Hey, MLK was a rolling stone. We all know this. We don't talk about it, but <laughs> we know. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> like, yeah, he used to used cheat. But, yeah, so there you go. That's our quick hits. Uh, we got spider monkeys, brutal obituaries, uh, lying about cancer. We, we kind of had it all this time. We covered all the bases as far as ridiculousness. But, listeners, we'll go ahead and wrap this thing up here. So you can look forward to hearing me and Adrian again next Saturday, uh, July 16th, for weekly roundup number four. And we'll probably have another special guest, so make sure you tune in to hear that and also make sure that you're following us on social media um you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram at black agenda pod is our handle and also our next interview is going to be coming up so make sure you tune in next week to get the info on that and before we go we love that you listen and you download the show but we would actually love it if you donate to us and age is going to let you know how you can do that
2: Absolutely. Don't forget, listeners, we have an easy, easy, easy way to donate. You can do it one of two ways. Uh, you can do it straight from our website. Or the easiest way, and I'm going to really emphasize this, is in the timestamp. There's a donate tab. You click onto it, and it's going to take you there to our patron page. Um, our patron page, if you just want to go directly to it, it's Patreon, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N, dot com slash black agenda pod. You can go straight there and give to us on a monthly basis. We'd love that. Love to know that you support us and more of a monetary value, you know, monetary way versus just a listenership way. But again, that's just the timestamps or our website, patron p a t r e o n dot com slash black agenda pod.
0: That's right. Make sure you help us out. So we want to give one more thanks to Caleb for joining us on the show. This was his first ever uh, foray into podcasting, and he did a great job. So leave a review and let Caleb know how he did, but also let us know what you think of this new format for our weekly roundup. So that's going to be it for me and Adrian. Again, we'll catch you next Saturday, July 16th for weekly roundup number four. So until then, we'll catch you next
2: time. Oh,